Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Giants Double Play, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Janie Hu, the Chronicles assistant sports editor, and I'm joined, as always, by our Giants beat writer, Henry Schulman. Are you feeling overwhelmed by technology? Do you suffer from a nagging fear of missing out? Join Chronicle Managing Editor Fernando Diaz as he talks to a panel of industry experts about the effects of technology on privacy and ways you can protect yourself. It's Chronicle Chats at Herbst Theater on September 17th. You can purchase tickets at sfchronicle.com chats. Hi, Henry. Welcome back to the Bay Area, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Giants Double Play. How you doing? Good, good. Um, I apologize to our listeners if I'm sounding a little wheezy uh, today. I don't know why. I'm just having a, a little uh, <laughs> a little hoarseness in the voice. I, I bet you didn't know that wheezy was the little-known eighth dwarf uh, who couldn't get in the movie. It was a union issue, uh, but we don't <laughs> have to talk about that here. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so you've just wrapped up a uh, series in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. And um, outside of the uh, straight baseball wins and losses, I think the uh, biggest story to come out of that was a little slappy fight uh, triggered by um, Yasiel Puig and Nick Hundley. And we received some news from uh, the MLB today. Yeah, the league has decided to suspend Yasiel Puig for two games um, and fine him uh, while the Dodgers, uh, I'm sorry, while the Giants, Nick Hundley uh, was not suspended and only got a fine. And I think that reflects the fact that uh, even though Hundley started the whole thing by hollering at Puig and, you know, sort of telling him in a colorful way to get back in the box, uh, he, uh, Hundley did not lift a hand to Puig. Puig is the one who uh, started the physical part of the altercation. And I think that's what the league's consideration was. Puig's uh, smacked at Hundley twice when they were arguing in the batter's box or near the batter's box. And then as the benches emptied, Puig took a shot at Hundley's mask while Hundley was being restrained. And uh, the league did not look kindly upon that. So I think this is something that Giants are going to be happy about and the Dodgers are not because uh, the the punishment was sort of definitely one-sided and, and the guy who actually did instigate it, Hundley, um, it is not getting suspended. I mean, the league it generally feels that guys on the, you know, guys in the heat of battle will, you know, they'll, they'll jaw at each other. It happens. But once it gets physical, uh, that's where, you know, sort of the, uh, the responsibility lies. Uh, so, you know, another chapter in uh, Giants Dodgers lore, you had, uh, you know, it goes, I'm sure it goes back to uh, long, long before any of us were born, but, you know, yep. Uh, Marshall taking a bat to Roseboro and, Reggie Smith running into the stands at Candlestick to take on a fan and uh, Bumgarner versus Puig, everybody versus Puig. Right. And, uh, you know, it, it adds a little flavor to this whole rivalry, which is now 
gone on for more than a century. Right. You're reaching way back there for some of those examples. Um, well done. Um, what did you think about um, just the initial Hunley also getting thrown out um, when, when the incident went down? Because I know a lot of Giants fans seem to be upset about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think the Giants were upset about it too. Uh, but it, it's really hard to argue against that when uh, he, he really did start it. And, uh, you know, you, you could argue all you want about the propriety of uh, telling a uh, hitter how to react or not react or whatnot when he's upset because he didn't hit a pitch. But uh, if, if Hundley had just uh, not said anything and let Puy get in the box, none of it would have happened. Now, the interesting thing is that the umpires, um, they didn't really give us a great explanation as to why Hundley was ejected. Uh, the umpire, Eric Cooper, who did the ejecting, the home plate umpire, he told the pool reporter that it's pretty obvious if you look at the tape as to why Hundley was ejected. And that perplexed all of us because right. there was nothing in the tape that showed him doing anything egregious. Um, and uh, Bochi and the staff looked at the tape. They couldn't figure out what he was talking about. I believe Dwayne Kuyper said that there may have been uh, a little bit of touching where uh, – when they were jawing at each other, Hendley, uh, Hundley's head made contact with the bill of Puig's helmet, which I guess you could call contact. And maybe that's what uh, Cooper was talking about. But the league obviously didn't see it that way. Uh, if they if they had seen it that way, they might have uh, suspended Hundley too. Right. What do you think about, or what do you make of Hundley's comments um, afterwards that this could bring the Giants clubhouse together a little bit? Yeah, you know, it makes you think that... Uh, who knows that, you know, maybe this was a little bit of premeditation, uh, maybe to, to, to fire the Giants up. Now, this is a clubhouse that's a lot better than last year's clubhouse. And, you know, last year's clubhouse had issues uh, with chemistry, and that's going to happen in a 98 loss season. And there were issues with Bochi. We wrote about that, a, a big story in September, you know, with Bochi and the players. There were players who didn't get along. Uh, in all honesty, you know, George Contos was shipped out because, um, you know, he apparently was the source for the uh, uh, the story about Mark Melanson that got some negative publicity in the middle of the season. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on this year. I, you know, I don't sense that there's any chemistry issues, but, mm. um, you know, sometimes a little uh, argument like that can, you know, maybe get rile some guys, get some blood flowing. This is a team that's not been hitting. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, just just get people a little even closer, uh, closing that circle in the clubhouse. Uh, to, uh, you know, maybe maybe get a little more action on the field, convert it into a little more action on the field as they go into the final 40 games. Right. Um, so we'll get back into, um, again, the, the wins and losses of it. But um, I just wanted to mention, because um, I want to get your take on this also, that uh, the league office has been busy today. And they also handed down um, some other suspensions. This one was from... Um, off of last night's game when uh, Miami's Jose Urena drilled Ronald Acuna, um, f uh, who had been, you know, uh, hammering home runs. Uh, apparently they decided they couldn't get him out and pretty intentionally hit him, uh, hit Acuna on the elbow. Um, Urena was suspended six games um, by the league. What do you think about that? Well, um, it's funny. Uh, I, I just, this just happened, the, the news and uh, the reaction I'm seeing from uh, baseball people on social media is that Arena got off really easily because here you have a guy who is endangering the health of one of the great young players in the game. I mean, a rookie of the year candidate uh, and six games for a starter is essentially one start because, uh, you know, I mean, you, you could even make it no starts if you 
slip another like a, 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 a sex six starter in there in an off day and he, he might not be punished at all um and uh I, the other funny thing i think about is i mean of all the guys to have it to you know get uh, throw that pitch urania is a guy who never knows where the ball is going and i think in about a i think he's made 104 uh games that he's played in the majors i think 90 something starts he's hit 34 batters uh now i didn't see it so i don't really know how obvious it was uh there probably is a slight possibility he didn't do it on purpose and he was just urania being urania uh but i think there are a lot of people who believe that he should have gotten a far bigger suspension because the league is just basically telling him with uh, by missing one start if that that it's okay to do something like that and it really isn't if it was intentional. I mean, baseball should not be weaponized. And there's it's this old school way of, uh, you know, dis, dis, self-discipline and, and uh, you know, keeping things straight on the field. But as we've seen now with what we know on concussions and broken bones and all that, it, it really is, it, it has no place in the game. Right. That old stick them in the ribs if they're, uh, you know, on a hot streak or something like that. It does seem like baseball out of all of the sports has all of these unwritten traditions and it, it seems to be hard to get past some of them because even even now you have still guys uh you know former players saying yeah I would have done that too um and and I guess it's kind of concerning correct like you were saying um given all the yeah 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 um yeah you, I mean I don't know if Mattingly ordered it uh you know Mattingly is definitely an old school guy but you know as you see more and more younger managers coming into the game uh, I think you'll see less and less of that because I think they understand uh, that the old rules really shouldn't apply. I mean, even Bochy talking about Puig the other day, he said the game has changed. You know, I mean, even when Bochy played uh, Major League Baseball, uh, and, I, I mean, back then it would have been quite normal to uh, go after Puig for some of the antics that that he does now, but it's a different game now. And Bochy actually said he just doesn't let that stuff bother him anymore. And even an old school manager like Dusty Baker once told us that he, he just absolutely hates it when um, a player uh, drill, a pitcher drills a player just because that player's had success against your team. You know, it's not his fault. He's, he's destroying you. It's the, uh, the fault of your own pitchers that he's destroying you. And, you know, you clean, you clean your own house first and don't worry about the other guy. And I, I think like anything else, as the game progresses and, more and more old timers are are pushed out of the game and replaced by newer, younger managers. I think you'll see less and less of this, and the unwritten rule book will be, you know, thrown into the unwritten garbage can. Right. Um, and, and to be fair, I know we're we, we're chatting about this right now as take it for gospel, or, or I, maybe I give that impression that uh, there was intent um, in terms of hitting uh, Acuna. But even um, just to your point about Mattingly, after the game, he did tell reporters saying, "I don't want to see this kid get hit." He's going to be a great player for a long time. He's beat us up, but this is not the way you want to handle that situation. Well, you know, there are times when uh, pitchers will go rogue and uh, do it on their own, or uh, you'll have some veteran players uh, or maybe not even veteran players uh, kind of tell a pitcher, especially a younger pitcher, look, this is what you have to do. Uh, this is what you have to do because that's what, what happens when, uh, you know, a guy is uh, crowding the box like that. And uh, it, it is possible that something happened without Mattingly's knowledge. Now, I know for a fact that uh, with the Giants, uh, Bochi does not let pitchers decide when to hit guys. Uh, if somebody's going to get hit for some infraction, uh, it's going to be Bochi making that decision. Mm -hmm. And it's usually not going to be for a guy 
performing well against the Giants, it's going to be retaliation for something that happened on the field. Uh, right. So, um, it, you know, every manager is different. Uh, every clubhouse is different. And I mean, even with a veteran pl- uh, pitcher like Bumgarner or a guy like Cueto, Samarja or whatever, Bochy would not cotton to um, one of those guys just sort of uh, taking the law into his own hands. Right, right. Um, so I, again, after after all of this kind of little brouhaha on the field stuff, um, the reality of the situation, the Giants went down to uh, Los Angeles, took two out of three from the Dodgers. Um, in normal circumstances, you'd think, hey, they, they won the series, but they really, really could have used a sweep um, given where the division standings are and, and how they've just kind of not been able to separate off of that 500 500, uh, 500 line, correct? Yeah, I mean, if it were if this were a series were in May, not only would you say it was great that they won the series, but you'd also say, like, look, they they almost won the last game and they were down three nothing. But you know, the reality is that this is a team that's still uh, in the clubhouse and in the manager's office and probably in the front office as well. Still feels it has a shot to reach the playoffs, and the Giants, unfortunately for themselves have put themselves in the kind of hole where winning two out of three uh, is, is not always going to be helpful, uh, because especially because they don't have a lot of games left against the teams ahead of them. I think we talked about this on an earlier podcast. The Giants are done with the Dodgers until the final weekend of the season. They have three games left with Arizona, which is the first place team now, and that's coming at the uh, end of the month. Uh, and they have six games against the Rockies, who are ahead of them. And, you know, three of those are at Coors Field, where the Giants just absolutely can't win. So, I mean, they really, really need help from other teams. It's like a sliding scale. The more you win, the less help you need and vice versa. And they've put themselves in a position where they just need a ton of help from other teams. They need it. Derek Holland said it best uh, uh, last night uh, after the the, uh, game at Dodger Stadium that uh, we really just have to hope that those three teams ahead of us just beat the heck out of each other. And then we get on a winning streak and start rolling. But, you know, they've played 122 games now. That big winning streak really hasn't happened. They had one stretch where I think they won 9 of 12 somewhere earlier in the season, some some number like that. And and they need to do that again and maybe even more uh, to put themselves in a playoff position. It really does look like uh, if they're going to get to the playoffs, it's going to have to be through the division and not the wild card. Uh, and uh, this, I mean, a big, big two series coming up in Cincinnati and New York. I mean, Cincinnati is playing awfully good baseball now. They're not the pushovers they were before they fired uh, the manager, Brian Price, and replaced him with Jim Riggleman. They're 49-54 and 54 under Riggleman, which is really a vast improvement uh, over where they were. Uh, and, then, and then they go to New York, where the Mets are a mess uh, all the way around. And, I mean, it's not, you know, 5-2 and two would ordinarily be a fantastic road trip. But, you know, looking at it realistically, you know, 6-1, and one, that's something that they – really kind of need to shoot for. Right, right. We spent a lot of this season, I feel like, and particularly after June, talking about how the pitching has actually been really good and their offense has been failing them. Um, what do what can they take, though, from the fact that they rallied late in these three last three games? Well, I mean, they... I mean, it's positive development that they were able to win in the uh, ninth inning, ninth inning, and, you know, had that three-run homer by McCutcheon in the eighth. Right. But the problem is that, I mean, if you're going to win the division, uh, you, you really need to have consistent offense. Uh, you can't make the pitchers throw shutouts every night out there. And what you had uh, in the Wednesday night game at Dodger Stadium is you had your three, four, and five hitters, Evan Longoria, Buster Posey, and Gorkis Hernandez, go 0 for 15. And stuff like that, maybe not to that degree, but stuff like that happens a lot 
with this offense. And they, they're, they're relying on, you know, a big hit or two here or there. Uh, they're relying on role players um, and, and rookies and whatnot. But you need the guys, you know, the guys who brung you, as they as they like to say, uh, you know, you need your, your veteran core guys to go out there and produce. And the Giants uh, are not doing that. Uh, they have that assorted game where they'll score seven or eight runs, and then they'll go another 10 days where every game is two or three runs. And, um, you know, they have to rely on the pitching staff to just completely shut down the other side. And that's putting too much pressure on the pitching staff. It's putting too much pressure on the bullpen where the relievers are just throwing way too many innings. And, uh, you know, they don't, I mean, right now they don't really have a reliable person to pitch the eighth. Uh, they may get one back with Hunter Strickland. Uh, and I don't know you know, if he's necessarily going to pitch the eighth, but you, you got to take some pressure off the pitching staff and the bullpen in particular by winning a few games by five or six runs. Right, right. Um, absolutely. Um, on that note, in terms of uh, inconsistent offense, um, I'm going to bring up the story. Uh, you, you just wrote this uh, great story um, on Joe Panic, and really the question that, that you're asking is, what happened to Joe Panic? Here's the guy that, you know, uh, made some very big noise um, when the season started and hitting, uh, you know, uh, two, two home runs um, being the difference in their season opening wins against the Dodgers. And you turn that around and you look at this three game series and he had one at bat and you said this to be fair, he would have had a second one um, had, had uh, the guy in front of him hit. Um, but what, what can you, can you go into detail about the, the struggle that he's having this year coming back from the injuries that set him back in the middle of the season? Well, yeah, I mean, and first of all, you really have to go back before the injuries. I mean, he had a hot start. He hit the two homers at Dodger Stadium the first two games of the season. They win, win the one nothing games. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, um, he also, uh, you know, he started to decline a little bit. And uh, the, the big thing, and I talk about it in the story, and you get his thoughts on it as well, uh, he, he really started to decline against left-handed pitching. And, and that really had not been a problem for panic in his career he's actually his numbers were actually slightly better against left-handers average wise now power wise he was better against righties but uh you know he was always a pretty good hitter against uh, lefties and mm-hmm. he just stopped hitting against lefties i mean he has an average in the 160s against them so even even before he got hurt uh he was struggling for one reason or another and uh he was trying to work on uh getting the swing back that had gotten him to the position where they decided he would be the leadoff hitter and uh, the injuries don't help. Uh, he, he missed uh, 40, about about a quarter of the season, really, with the two uh, injuries uh, that he had. Um, so, it, you know, he wouldn't use that as an excuse. He felt that he feels that, you know, once you do your rehab games, if you tell the manager and the coaching staff and the front office that you're ready to go, you should be ready to hit the ground running and, and hit the way you're supposed to hit. But there's no question that having sort of a stop, start, stop, start season um, is going to have an impact in your ability to get into an offensive rhythm. And uh, right now, uh, he's only getting a chance to play against right-handed pitchers. He's in a straight platoon and, you know, panic without giving everything away from the story. He has his thoughts on that. Um, and, uh, you know, being a platoon player really for the first time in his life, because he never had to deal with this. He did not in high school, not in Little League, not in college. There were, uh, he was struggled a little toward the end of 2016, and he got you know a few more games off than uh, he normally would uh, against left-handed pitchers. But it was not a straight platoon, and right now Bochy says flat out it's a straight platoon, and you know it calls into question what the future is for Panic with this organization. He's getting more expensive. Uh, he's a couple of years away from free agency. 
They may choose to upgrade that position offensively. You don't know as, uh, as they need to try and fix this offense once and for all this winter. So I think we're going into an unsettling time with a guy who was, uh, you know, I mean, a rookie in just 2014, helping win a World Series. You mentioned this earlier um, in terms of the Giants searching for an eighth inning setup guy. Uh, Hunter Strickland is due to come off the disabled list this weekend as the Giants head to Cincinnati um, and New York. Um, do you envision him trying to fill or Bruce Bochy putting him in that position to uh, fulfill that setup role and um, leave Will Smith as the closer? Uh, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I mean, the Giants really have had more trouble in the eighth inning than they have in any other inning. Uh, Will Smith has done a tremendous job as the closer uh, since he took over. He's has 10 saves, and really, in fact, the last Giants left-hander to have that many saves in a single season was Dave Rigetti, and that was way back in 1991. So I don't think Bochy feels any need to supplant Smith as the closer. Uh, I, I think initially Bochi might reintroduce Strickland in in the sixth and seventh inning, but uh, I think ultimately uh, they're going to try and get him into the eighth inning. Where uh, I mean, you know, Tony Watson has not been pitched as well as he did earlier in the season. Uh, Sam Dyson has his ups and downs. Uh, you know, uh, Mark Melanson. Uh, I don't know that they they trust him necessarily to pitch a lot of the eighth innings. He had, he did have a, a big strikeout of Manny Machado in the 10th inning last night, which temporarily saved that game. Um, so, you know, and Maranta as well, he's on a pace to throw about 75 games. They've used him a lot, and he has this propensity, too, to walk the leadoff hitter, and that's not a good way to go about the eighth inning when you have a small lead. So I think they're going to be looking to Strickland as the kind of guy who uh, maybe can get in there in the eighth inning and, and be that bridge. Uh, to get the ball to Smith, uh, right, you know, uh, and, and and save these ball games. How do you think uh, Strickland's going to handle that kind of coming back in in that role potentially? Well, yeah, I mean, I think he'll handle it okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he has to know that uh, this was his own doing that he lost the job. He lost the job because he punched a door, right? And he doesn't really. Uh, I think he's matured enough. Of, despite that, I think he's matured enough to understand that um, he really has no say in where he's going to pitch. And I think he has to humbly accept whatever uh, Bochi and the pitching coaches decide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine that he would make waves about not pitching the ninth inning after this long absence that he caused with his own indiscretion. Right, right. Um, put some of that kind of maturity to the test. Um, how about Jeff Samarja? Um, what's his status? Well, uh, Jeff is going to throw to hitters again in uh, Cincinnati. Uh, I believe tomorrow, Friday, and uh, if all goes well with that, uh, he may start a rehab assignment uh, the following week. Now, the Giants have a lot of reasons that they want to see Samarja back in the rotation uh, this year. I mean, for one thing, uh, they they want to see what they have in him when he's completely healthy. They want other teams to see what he has when he's completely healthy in case they decide to try to trade him. They, I mean, he's untradeable now with uh, two years left on his contract uh, after this year at probably 36, 37 million dollars. Um, so he, he's got to prove to them. He's got to prove to other teams and to himself that he can still pitch. And frankly, you know, they they need what Jeff Samarja can bring when he's healthy, which is a lot of innings. Um, and I, I don't see him returning before September 1st, just looking at the timing of it. Uh, this is one of those things where they may extend his rehab assignment, both to let his pitch count grow, but also so they don't have to make any uh, undesirable roster moves before they can expand um, in September. So I think that's one one reason not to rush him. Uh, so, I mean, if he uh, does okay on Friday, 
uh, throwing to hitters than you could imagine maybe on the following Monday or Tuesday he would make uh, the first uh, rehab start and then maybe he makes another one and that takes him almost to the end of August. Um, then he can he can come back probably not in Coors Field right at the start of the, the month. <laughs> that would be a tough uh, one, huh? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe in Milwaukee after that. Right. Okay. I just want to let um, our our readers know as well that uh, you are um, skipping the the next trip to uh, Cincinnati and New York. We'll have John Shea out there for all of our San Francisco Giants coverage. Yeah. Yay, John. <laughs> you got plans on the on the week off, quote unquote week off. Um, yeah, believe it or not, uh, I got jury duty coming up. Uh, so you may lose me if it's a big trial. You may lose me until 2019 season. Oh, boy. All right, Henry. Thanks for joining us again today. Um, we will catch up with you uh, when the Giants are back home and uh, welcoming the uh, Texas Rangers uh, to AT&T Park in a week. Okay, you got it. Thanks, Henry. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Horns of Jericho by Lucas Pern and Miloslav Kolar, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. This show is produced by me and King Kaufman. For more Giants coverage, you can follow Henry on Twitter at Hank Schulman and me at Janie underscore who. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. If you like this show, we'd love it if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Susan Slusser, Oakland A's beat writer for The Chronicle, and I'd love it if you'd listen to my podcast, A's Plus. I talk to players, coaches, executives, and others around the team. Every week you'll get on-field analysis and off-the-field insight. Do you know which A's player lost 20 pounds on a diet of donuts? You would if you'd been listening to A's Plus. Join me every week, wherever you get your podcasts. A's Plus.